Welcome everyone to another intriguing episode of the Information Entry Podcast. I'm your host, Mitchell Cassidy, and as always I am joined by my co-host Tom. Say hello Tom. Hello. Today we'll be diving headfirst into the captivating concept of time, or perceptions, or cultural references. Everything is going to be covered today. Uh, it is fascinated philosophers, scientists, and thinkers for over centuries is one of those mysteries that just keeps unraveling the more you explore it, and also confuddling the more you think about it. So grab your mental time machines and join us on this journey through time, which is the fourth dimension. Oh, you can search for us straight up. Yeah, straight, yeah, straight up. You can search for us by information entry pod and all the good directories on your socials. If you want to find us, keep in tune, stay informed, go find us. That's it. Do that it. Me bumbling through the intro. How's it going, Tom? Yeah, not not too bad, mate. Not too shabby. How about you? Um, Svav. Uh, I'm, I'm doing okay. <laughs> doing okay. Yeah, that's that's fair. Sometimes <laughs> you just got a week where you just got to survive. Yeah, we are surviving, not thriving. That I think that there's this week has has mm. been mental battle after mental battle. But what is the world coming to and today awfully sad news oh gambon yeah yeah sir sir michael gambon has passed away surrounded by his loving family that's good but uh yeah very sad times i think that's the harry potter generation for those of us who who know him from that specifically, and not his uh, illustrious career previous to that, yeah. uh, it is a very sad day. Yeah, I was just thinking of loads of Harry Potter memes. Did you put your name into the fire? <laughs> he said calmly. Movie. Harry, did you put your name <laughs> into the fire? <laughs> into the goblet. Oh fire. dear. Uh, Creative liberties. I wonder how they'll do it in the new TV series. Yeah, I also I wonder six how... years to wait. <laughs> is it six years? Well, each season is going to be a book, right? So I presume they're going to do a season a year. It's not coming I... out next year, is it? I think they may do like half seasons, like they do in a, this is a very American style. Oh. They're like Walking Dead. They do like half season and they do like a mid season finale. Yeah, that doesn't sucked. really work in Harry Potter. <laughs> I hated that format. It's one of the yeah. things that turned me off from watching it religiously. Oh, and the fact that it got it was so unbelievably dull half the time. The I think fill, there are superheroes the fill, in that the filler now. arcs just can go away. I think there are, there are superpowers in that world now. Really, I've heard on the grapevine. I've heard, yeah. Oh, okay, um, okay. So I'm like. Do I go and rewatch nine seasons of this now? <laughs> no. oh, I just don't know if I do. There's a lot of to be honest. There's like so in anime. There's there's filler arcs, and they're essentially what happens is uh, the person writing the story, which would be the manga, uh, they make the anime at the same time. And what happens eventually is the uh, the anime will catch up to the manga so the story the, the like the on-screen adaptation will catch up to the book so what they have to do to like buy time is they create a story arc that isn't really main canon with the main story 
but it's kind of just to sit there so they can do like this um imagine like a loop-de-loop with the time so it still comes out like each week and you have yeah. something to watch but it's not like actual stuff you need to watch yeah it's just could be quite an interesting that's why like you have like the the beach episodes the weird arcs that they get like superpowers and they come back uh happened with bleach a lot and then but the thing is there's like websites that you can go that just cuts out all the filler yeah for you and i feel like the walking dead needs that because when they're on the farm there's so much that you can oh just completely ignore <laughs> it's like character <laughs> development but it's like it's, it's season two you don't need this <laughs> heavy character development of you know characters that are going to die probably yeah. pretty quick that you don't need for anyone um, getting into one piece after the uh netflix one, adaptation one pace yeah one pace is a website you can go to which is yeah. absolutely incredible not only does it take out the filler episodes it takes out the filler in the episodes yes i uh, saw that like uh, so, there's a scene like a, a crowd clapping or something and it did a side-by-side yeah. comparison and they just like cut that half out it's like watching lord of the rings but all like the walking across the fed, the meadows from the extended version, they they cut out. Yeah. So it, yeah, they, there's a lot, a lot of like world building shots that in a normal pacing uh, would be looked at for a couple of seconds, and then you cut to the next thing. But in uh, the one piece, you get about thirty seconds of that, and it's just not needed. So they yeah. cut all of that. There's also out. the recap because they're trying to fill a time slot, so they'll have like a, a seven minute recap at the start to cover what's happened in the, the previous uh like 35 minute episodes so it cuts this, that out <laughs> this is one of the things that bugs me so much about disney well, i'm watching ahsoka at the minute which is mm, so good i haven't but, uh, up yet. it starts with a recap right uh so you got a couple of minute recap and then it ends with credits which on disney plus for some reason, are like eight to ten minutes long on yeah. everything. So when it, when you've got a forty-three minute episode, actually what you've got is something akin to thirty minutes. Yeah, and it, oh, it's just like oh, I feel like I'm missing out on so much content. I know I'm not, <laughs> but oh, it just feels like they're playing me. It's shrinkflation. Yeah, it's shrinkflation <laughs> on, on series, which is so sad. Yeah, but uh, good news for the WGA strike. And uh, tentative, yeah. tentative, uh, what's it called? Agreements being made. Oh, hasn't it just the strikes just fully ended now? No, I, yeah, but I thought the it's the the agreements that have been made were like not amazing and they may strike again. Oh, but my perception of it was the complete opposite, and everyone is beyond thrilled. And they got oh. way beyond what they were originally asking for, especially on some of the stuff that the original producers were like, we're never going to budge on this. And they've actually got a lot more than that. Um, but I get all of this kind of news from Philip DeFranco. That was this morning. I'm not going to say my opinion on that individual on air. That's fair. But uh, that was the news of as, as of, I guess, yesterday. Um, uh, it's yet to actually been signed and agreed. But, yeah, they just need to vote on it next Monday. But that's yeah. just the guild voting. No outside people are voting on that. So they don't get to. Yeah, exactly. One of those weird, weird things. But yeah, right. So good for them. Should we? Uh, you got news for us this week? 
Um, you know what? I don't. I don't have news. Oh, <laughs> uh, I focused on the facts. I forgot that if we do the intro, we I also do the news. Well, that's all right. I think we filled a good eight minutes there. Of, oh yeah, uh, we did. Well, we did the news. We did the sad news of when it's beloved actors passing. I feel like you yeah, know, that's a good good thing to do. And then people got to learn about filler arcs and our opinions of them. <laughs> so just great world news right there. Oh <laughs> uh, no. Yeah. All right. Cool. Facts so, then. Time oh, facts, I did yeah. I did none of those. Oh, come on. I can't talk. Uh so back when the dinosaurs were alive. Mm. I heard same time as Jesus, but we'll just leave that be. Uh there were actually three hundred and seventy days in the year. There were, yeah. Yeah, because we were Further away from the sun? Yes. Further away from uh, the sun. Yeah. Or you could say same distance and spinning faster. Sp- spinning faster is just the day length, though. Oh! Yeah. You know I just said the thing and then worked the thing out. Yeah. <laughs> okay, could be uh, this being quicker. I think we are slowing down in rotation very slowly. Unsure yeah. which one could be both. Could be, it. could be it. Could be a bit of both. To be honest, it could be, it could be a bit of we, both. Yeah, we moving. Well, we'd be moving closer. Surely, the gravitational mass would be pulling us in. Um. Well, think about that. We're losing the moon. The moon's moving further away from us. Yes. So but could we not be doing we, the same to from the sun? No, because the sun would move because we're spinning. The the the, the sun's got enough mass that its gravity's pulling us in. Let me see. Our, um, our Earth's mass and the Moon's mass are the, the difference isn't large enough. So yeah. I think that's, because that's the why. Sun is losing mass, its pull on Earth is weakening, leading our planet to drift away from our star by two point three six inches per year, or six centimeters. All right, fair, fair, fair dinkum, fair dinkum. Uh, so yeah, there, there we go. Uh, a non-time fact for you all. Well, that will be the end of times. So uh, that will be the end of times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, in fact, engines have been used to measure time for four hundred years. Oh, engines! So that's like clock devices. Pendulums, mate. Pendulums. Oh, I heard engines. So sorry. That's right. That's right. Pendulum. Okay. Yeah. Boop 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 boop. boop. <laughs> Which is an icon is an iconic line if 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 you you were born and listened to like electronic music during the the twenties yeah twenty tens yeah I feel like Brit Brit Britain but maybe that's Br- a false Brit Br- Britain yeah Br- Br- Britain but maybe that's a false narrative I've written for myself um Pendulum was massive over in America okay to the same Good. level. Um, as shown by their comeback tour, they decided to go to America first, and the crowds were tepid, at best. Ah, uh, um, and then they went and they did the UK one, and it went off the hook. Of course, it did. Grace went to see them down in Torquay, Torquay, Torbay, Torbay. Yeah, absolutely mental, mate. Yeah, no. She's just like loads of videos of it, 
and I like crowd watching. So I was like, that person's heavily on drugs. That person's heavily <laughs> on drugs. That person's heavily on drugs. Honestly, one of the best things about festivals is crowd watching. Oh, it's pretty, you just see some absolute chaotic things happen. Yeah. Good times. Yeah. So, what is time? Well, it's, it's a good question. Yeah, it's um, a great question. It's one of these topics where there is no proper definition of time. Because it all matters no. in the the reference in the area that you're talking about it in changes what the potential uh, explanations or definition of it is going to be. Yeah, it's one of those really like abstract things. And, and I don't know whether English is bad for it because we use time in many different ways right mm-hmm. yeah it is purely measurable in the sense if you go okay this unit of time lasts you know one second and you can define a second um let me get that up because that actually is a wild fact yeah the, the 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 whole like the way that a second works isn't that like a clock somewhere or isn't it like the passing of X or X? I remember you mentioning it years ago about what, like, how we actually find what a second is. Yeah. So oh, no, it's the spinning, one second isn't it? It's the spinning of time. Like... Yeah, it's to do with the cesium-133 atom. Yes. And it's uh, the time that elapses during 9,192,631,770 cycles of radiation produced by the transition between two levels of the cesium-133 atom. Now, obviously, what they've done there is they've gone, hey, we've got this second, and then someone at some point obviously said, well, that's kind of loose. How are you defining that? And then so they just found something yeah. that it's is so constant to, to fit it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that obviously seems to be like a retroactive fitting there. Um, but yeah, atomic clocks another way to, to measure time um very very accurate but uh yeah then the as you say in other aspects you may define time uh, slightly differently yeah um but i guess time as a concept is the, the thing that allows us to measure the progression of events and maybe intervals uh between them it allows us to, to move. order and sequence them it allows us to move yeah Without time, yeah. it would be stationary. That's true. That's fair, yeah. Um, and we can quantify durations of processes or timings of different phenomena. Um, for example, we know the stars are not going to be out at the same time as the sun, for example. Um, and physics, I think it's often described as the fourth dimension, which mm. you gave us right out of the gate yes, at the start the of this episode. Dimension. Um and, and it's considered this... a fundamental quantity yes. of the universe. And then we get into space-time, which is also time, but also space. Yeah, space-time is one of those things that I, I kind of wrap my head around yeah. when we do an episode on it. Yeah, I've got And then my brain goes, that's a bit too in-depth to hold. Oh, I've got that. And then when someone help. brings it up oh, again, I Yeah, well, I'll I'm, I'm going to bring it up. Good, 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 good. Up. And I'll, explain what, I'll, I'll try and explain why it's actually connected. Don't know if I'll be able to do it well, but I'll bring it up. So, uh, it's either what prevents nothing happening or everything happening at once, which is uh, John Wheeler and others, other physicists. Oh. Believe. That's their definition. 
Um, I, I remember when we used to do interviews, this yes. was the question we'd ask everyone at the end yeah. of the interview is how they personally describe time within within mm-hmm. their field. I think it is a great question Yeah. Um, to ask. Because I, I think me being asked that question at different times of my life, I would answer differently. Why? So yeah, it's, it's a great one. Why? Level of learning or um, level of like perception of it passing? I think both. Like right now, I'm very concentrated in a cognitive level of science, whereas previously it was maybe more a general level. So I think I'd think about it a bit more cognitively now in terms of brain processing time. Um, whereas previously, I think I would have thought of it as a uh, physical concept of the universe. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, great question. I'm fun yes. at parties. <laughs> <laughs> Just so fun at parties. Yeah, because you're not there. Yeah, the. Hey. <laughs> that's me. We'll be there for five seconds. Then it's Irish goodbye, Italian goodbye. French goodbye. I'm sure there's different for different languages. Um. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, what have you got for us then? Uh, a little bit on how humans perceive time. Some some concepts of time, like space time, some time dilation, mm. some gravitational time dilation. Classic. The cultural Classic. perception of time, I thought, was actually quite interesting. Yeah, oh, but that comes one. into a bit about the. Uh, how languages shape how our brains perceive time. That is very interesting, yeah. Yeah. Because this is all oh. about how we perceive time uh, as humans, which is it's a, it's a weird thing to say because we can't actually perceive time itself. It exists and we can't actually see it. we rather see the effects of the changes that occur due to the passage of it. It's one of those weird things like where riddle, we just always exist in in the present, right? Yeah. Um, yes, yeah, is it is quite a riddle. <laughs> <laughs> what can you not see, but rather see the effects of and changes that occur? Uh, yeah, time would be the answer. Yeah, crazy thing to think about. Yeah. Um, well, why don't we go down that route then? The human perception of time. Okay. So, we can't actually perceive it, just the effects of it. Uh, we are the only known animal to be consciously aware of the passage of time. Also, our, our own... Don't think that's true. Our own permanence and mentality. That I can believe. Yeah. But I, I think we've done tests to show that animals experience the passage of time. Consciously aware is the particular wording on that oh i see what you mean as in like the abstract concept that yes. time is passing and yeah. acknowledgement of that yeah yes. like you're never okay. going to see a dolphin look at his flipper wrist to be like oh he's not wearing a watch but i do that all the time late. <laughs> <laughs> yes okay I-, I could agree with that mm-hmm. uh we have a consciousness of the past that is more than pure instinctual or behavioral conditioning so we you know Think about the past. Nostalgia. Do you like... Did you know in your world, like, does nostalgia exist? I know that's a really hard one to even start to test. Uh, in, what do you mean? In my world? Like, uh, animal testing. No, I'm not saying oh, they test animals, Tom. Not yeah. unethically. Um, not there with shampoo. That's holding it. Apes. <laughs> but, um... No, cognitively, they have tried to do this. 
Um, So one example that I can think of is more of an anecdotal um, thing. So there was two dolphins who used to be kept in the same facility, and one of them had... Well, basically, they'd been sent to different facilities. Uh, I think it was due to funding at the time. And then later on, this person was doing an expectation violation experiment, which is where you set the animal up in a specific uh, condition that they're used to, and they would expect a certain outcome. Um, you mug them off. For, for example, <laughs> if I see a dolphin and then I hear the signature whistle that it produces, which is an individually identifiable whistle that each dolph- bottlenose dolphin produces, um, then I expect them to match the signature whistle to uh, the visual, like visually seeing the dolphin. But if I see one dolphin and then I hear a different signature whistle, then that's a violation of what I expect to happen in that scenario. Um, but I think they were just testing one of the whistles and they played the signature whistle of this dolphin that they had been separated by for 10 years. And the, the reaction that they got there compared to other whistles that were played, um, which is incredibly very like different. Um, so I think that the takeaway there was actually long-term memory do- does exist, and especially in an animal that uses audition as its primary sense, uh, is there for a long time. Would you equate that to nostalgia I don't know, but that's the direction that I, I would go to mm. take. Because I think nostalgia is this very... Human. I don't it's know if human, but abstract feeling Yeah, like, I don't know much more people like... Memory. It's kind of like a meta feeling. sat around having a coffee reminiscing about the past. No, it's this internal, like, meta feeling, right? It's a feeling about a f- feeling, in a sense. I remember yeah. that happening and how I felt, and this is how I feel about that reflecting upon it. Mm. Um, feel it would that? be interesting to look at oh, very confusing <laughs> exciting prospect but I have no idea how you go about that yep. <laughs> I'll, I'll let you know PhD yeah. number two PhD number two yeah, um, we have an internal clock as, a, as, a, as an experience so we have dopamine yeah. and, I can never say the other one Tom what's the one neoreprephrine <laughs> Neuroepinephrine? Yeah, that. Uh, they control the internal clock or multiple internal clocks. Uh, we've also got yeah. the circadian, our circadian rhythms, which is kind of like a clock. Yes. Because it's externally driven, maybe light driven. Yeah, which for those up in the north, you're going to have to get changes when it's starting to get dark early. You know that uh, clock that you've got? Yeah, the sunlight one. Yeah, so I've been recommending that to people. <laughs> And uh, one of my friends uh, had that arrive yesterday. Yeah. Because <laughs> she keeps waking up and going, oh, it sucks outside. It's just like, it's it's not that it's super dark, but it's darker than, much darker than we're used to. Yeah. Um. So, so yeah, I think maybe I may have to hop on board that train as well. Yeah, so you can either, it, we've got the, it's set on, so like the birds, also the volume increases with the light increases. So okay. b- birds will start super quietly and then it sounds like the birds are, you know, right next to you. Um, but I think they must use a bird track that TV and programs have used in the past. Because Grace and I were watching something where there was like fake bird noises in the background. And I was like, that's our alarm. Do you know when like, you hear it, you have it. <laughs> back in the day yeah. where you used to put like a song as your alarm and you absolutely hate that song from like <laughs> listening to it in the future. Yeah. It was like that, and I was like, "That is our alarm. What is going on?" Yeah, so it's really good, and it really helps because it gives that your body the sense of like, "Oh yeah, no, the sun is rising. You know, the birds are there. Something 
naturally in your brain goes, I'm awake. Chemicals. Yeah. It's not like a an Apple or an iPhone alarm that sounds like someone's breaking down your door and there's an alarm test going off. Yeah. And and the circadian rhythm, even though it, I guess it's unconscious, we observe this in other animals as well, even if you have pets. Like, mm-hmm. they like doing things at a certain time. If you If you can keep them in a routine... They're very good at being like, oh, it's that time of day. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, it's cool. Next thing on the list of humans experiencing time is doing the same thing or doing something different and creating new pathways in the brain. So the brain is the shortcut machine. So if you keep doing the same task over and over, it'll feel like time is potentially slipping because your brain's used to it. So it like goes through those pathways easier now that makes sense yeah yeah um one of when they say an example of this is during uh when when you look back and you're nostalgic as a human would as only a human would at your childhood summers they seem to have lasted like for a really long time compared to the rest of the year and that's because you are essentially uh, going out of a routine, like the school routine of like, oh, go to school, that kind of stuff. So when you get into that like summer, it's so against the normal routine that it seems really, really long for that period of time. So when you look back, you also have that feeling that's long. Uh, or yes. if you are an older person, if you have a well-practiced routine, it seems that time is going quickly or slipping away. But that's because your your brain is their brains are so used to that routine that you know anything flows. Yeah, and I've also seen it argued that let's say one year of your life when you're seven, you know, is one seventh of your life, but when you're eighty, it's one eightieth of your life. So the pro- pro- proportionality can also play an impact there as well. I, I think it does a little bit to till like you're twenty till you your brain becomes mature i think that that works yeah it makes sense i guess if you're just trying to com- c- compare yeah yeah cool. the final bit, final bit of this is uh language language is shaping the brain you know, the yeah, lancaster university wild. uh completed a study of bilinguals and different languages explain and describe times differently so the spanish tend to describe uh, events as big or small whereas English speakers will tend to say like short or long and I'm sure that's because they want to get out of there uh, in the study <laughs> Professor Bylander, Professor Anna, oh that's a great name Anthanosopoulos uh, asked sweet, Spanish Sweden bilinguals to estimate how long a time had passed while watching either a line growing across the screen or a container being filled when watching containers being filled up and prompted by the Spanish prompt word, bilinguals based their time estimate on how full the containers were, uh, perceiving time as volume. They were unaffected by the lines growing on screen. Conversely, when given the Swedish prompt word, bilinguals suddenly switched their behavior, with their time estimates being influenced by the distance the lines had traveled, uh, but not by how much the containers had been filled. That's wild. Yeah, which... It's absolutely crazy to think like, and people will say when they start to learn a new language, like you're given more tools to describe time. 
which as English okay. speaking people, it's absolutely ridiculous. Like a nip, a pop. Oh yes. Tickety boo. Okay. You know, just, just random <laughs> meta Tickety references boo. that no one yeah. else is going to get. Um, we, we have so many like different ways of describing it. And some of them will be so niche and like cultural to one specific part of the UK that if you like a nip to someone will be n- nothing where it could be a long time to other people. The one that always, always gets me or if we argue about is a couple or a few. Okay. Two and three, couple for you. Um, saying like next week. Then we're just describing different, different yeah. elements of time. Uh, is not, this week coming is the week after because you would describe it as this week if you were going to say this week so if you're if you're on saturday and you say like next sunday you don't mean tomorrow you mean like next week sunday oh yeah for sure yeah, but, yeah. and if you're in if you're on the saturday and you go oh yeah okay I'll, I'll, we'll meet next tuesday that is not three days time that is nine days time Oh no! See, for me, when it I is, say it next, is not cause, the cause, next Tuesday you are going to have. It's not because nah. you would say this Tuesday. I will see you I, this I, Tuesday. I coming. do everything from Monday to Sunday. So if it's within <laughs> this week, if it's within the the week, the following week, everything is next. Yeah, that's what I mean. So if you say you're on Monday and you were like, "I'll see you next Tuesday," yeah, or be eight I'll, days. I'll see you next Wednesday, you'd be like, "Not this week, next week." Because a lot of people will be like, oh, okay, so yes. the next Wednesday we're going to have, and then I want to start a fight. Yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> I, I feel um, uh, one, one of the great... Sorry, yeah. I was going to say, one of the absolute perfect movies for this, which is one of my like favourite sci-fi movies of all time, is Arrival. Right. Have you seen Arrival? I don't remember that bit. I have many times, but I don't remember that bit. No, the whole the whole n- idea the about arrival is like they learn a new language of oh, the aliens. Oh, I see. Yes, yes and yes, then yes. their perception. I of thought time. you were specifically talking about the next. Then no, like why would that? Why, why would that make my favorite movie? Like, Honestly, mate. Yeah, who knows? two characters in a fictional universe have an argument about like next week, and that's why it's my favorite. Movie. No, uh, <laughs> I don't know. That's just the conversation we got on to. That yeah, that that's my brain not connecting the dots there. Um, <laughs> One of the fav- my favourite units of time that is an actual defined unit of time is Jiffy. Be back in a Jiffy. Very back British. Jiffy. Yeah. And a lot of people are like, is, what are you saying? Um, but it's actually how long it takes for light to travel one femtometer, which is a quadrillionth of a metre. Um, now, obviously, again, they just retroactively fitted a definition to this because it was used so much. But um, Or I think in someone in a paper decided to actually use the word jiffy so it had a real definition in um, si units uh, a jiffy is 10 to the negative three and it's used to measure the time between alternating power cycles oh there we go that's what it's used for a jiffy like you've got the, nice. the you've got a shake which is 10 nanoseconds oh which is 10 to the minus eight you've then got things like uh, Svedberg, which is the time units used for sedimentation rates, usually for proteins. Oh. And then you've got 
uh, actually, there's two Jiffies. Jiffies Electronics is the time for alternating power cycles. Jiffy in physics is three times ten to the negative twenty-four. Yeah, which he said is one Fermi. Light traveling one Fermi. And then you've got Planck time, which isn't like time to get down the plank. It's uh, <laughs> the amount of time like takes to travel one plank length. And I think that is the shortest measurable unit of time. Um, yes. that we can measure accurately as humans yeah. and also coincidentally how it feels like time is passing when you're doing a plank just uh, goes on yeah. forever <laughs> I'm working on what plank um, time is what plank length is 5.39 times 10 to the negative 44 there's no current physical theory that can describe time scales shorter than plank time uh such as the earliest events after the Big Bang. Well, the actual length of a plank is 1.616255, bracket 18, times 10 to the minus 35 metres. Oh, it's quite small then, isn't it? Yeah, a little a diddy, you could say. Diddy. Yeah. Diddy. That's uh, not on this list. No, that's that's, that's That's on the different list. That's on the measurements list. Ah, of course. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Um, one of the things I looked at in, in relation to this was whether animals experience time and how we might calculate slash measure that. And there was a very interesting paper that came out in December last year, um, 2022, that looked at this. And it looked at 138 different species and all the various studies that have been conducted on them um, that on uh, conducted the flicker fusion test which is a way that we try and estimate how animals perceive time so the flicker fusion that came out wrong <laughs> flicker yeah. fusion i meant the flicker fusion test is a behavioral experiment used to assess an animal's perception of time particularly its ability to detect changes in the frequency of visual stimuli and it uses a flickering light to do this um, so in the experiment, the animal is exposed to a visual stimulus, which is a flickering light or a display on a screen. And the frequency of that flickering or pattern is altered by the experimenter. Researchers are looking at the animal's behavior and record uh, how the behavior changes in response to the changing of patterns. But the goal of the experiment is to determine the threshold at which an animal can perceive a change in the stimulus frequency. And the specific change that they're looking for is where the flickering light becomes a solid constant light. And the best way I can think to describe this is if you have a creaky door in the house um, or, you know, you've ever played with a creaky door. Maybe that's just my ADHD little brain. No, I've done it. That. And I've intentionally okay. done it to annoy other people. By slowly slowing go. it down. Have you ever done that? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So this is going to be my point. If, if you move a creaky door slowly, you'll hear individual clicks. Um, but if you speed that door up, it'll get to a point where those individual clicks become a constant sound. And what's happening there is we're reaching the temporal resolution of our audit auditory systems. Our brain can only process sound um, so quickly with intervals between them. When it gets to a certain threshold where those clicks are happening so constantly and frequently, our brain just goes, well, I can't determine if this is 
individual sounds or one sound. So you're just going to perceive it as one sound. Um, so actually a creaky door, when it's squeaking, isn't a squeak. It's just a series of individual clicks that are happening so rapidly you can't tell them apart. So that's what they're trying to do with flickering lights in animals. And they can see a reaction in most retinas that allow them to perceive this exact threshold when it happens. So you flicker a light, you increase the frequency to the point where the animal then starts to perceive it as a constant light source rather than a flickering one. After comparing 138 different studies or species that did this, they found that fast-moving animals, especially small ones, creatures that fly and top ocean predators perceive time more quickly than others. That is that they can process more frames per second than slow-moving animals lower in the food chain. The crown of thorns starfish, or Acanthastoplanchi, notices changes at the slowest pace, registering just three flashes of light every four seconds. For comparison, the human processes uh, visual stimuli at about, I think, is it 30 frames per second? Yeah, but I, we've had this argument before about how the way that's worded is is false because right. the human eye doesn't see in 30 frames per second because we can no, notice 60 sorry we yes. can notice things above 60 frames per second yes and that's to do with the way that digital screens work because they work at emitting light and changing that very quickly that's that's what a hertz is or the hertz rate the refresh yeah. rate, refresh rate. Uh, so when our eyes and that's to do with phase timings. So if we're looking at things that are 60, 120, and multiples of 60, or 30, or 20, because they all fit into that, we're going to see them as more lined up, right, than if they are off sync with that. And that's where we can notice the differences, is where the phase lines up with our internal processing speeds or not. So how does... Um, mm -hmm. 144 hertz and FPS yeah. is what I lock onto, and I can tell the difference between 120 and 144, so I'm not sure. Yeah, and I'd say that's because one of them is in phase, the 120, and one of them is out of phase. It doesn't mean that there's not a higher resolution in the 144, but I would say the 120 would be in phase. Um, but it's also different person to person, and that's why it can also be quite difficult. The 60 is a very rough guide, um, and some people can actually see C in air quotes there yeah uh, at a much higher resolution C. and some people are a lot lower resolution yeah um so they found that dragonflies can perceive changes in their environment the fastest up to 300 flashes per second nearly five times faster than humans and 400 times faster than starfish um, but i was interested in why they actually think that frame rate equals perceiving time faster um, and i think what they're actually doing here is using visual processing time as a proxy for brain processing. So if I look at one animal and it can process uh, visual stimuli X in X seconds, or another animal which can do it in 0 0.000X seconds, I can presume that the limit for that of the second animal is a lot quicker for the first animal. Thus, the brain processing time is quicker and thus it can perceive time quicker. So I think they're just using visual resolution or visual temporal resolution yeah, like, as a proxy. Imagine if you got in like 
a gunfight in a war and someone on that someone who had had like higher visual like was against temporal you. resolution yeah, you know, yeah. Like, he has advantage like what the hell's that about <laughs> literally a real life yeah dragonfly a dragonfly's there the... just been attacked and he's like i can't he's got peter's advantage how am i supposed to like he, can't, he just wide swung me and just like <laughs> got me but that did lead that did lead me down a sort of a rabbit hole um where even as humans we perceive the world through different senses Depending which sense we are currently using, we perceive time differently. So our visual processing time is different to our auditory processing time. Since we're visual-based, uh, visual is the, the quickest. Then auditory and touch is pretty high as well. But if you think about it, you put your clothes on at the beginning of the day, you you know, and then over time you just start to not feel them throughout the day, so they become overstimulated. And your body goes, that's not something I need to listen to anymore. Um, but then stuff such as taste or smell, we have a comparatively very slow temporal resolution in those senses. So, yeah, even depending on our senses, it will determine how we de- process time in a, in a given period. Which I had never really considered before, so I, th- I thought it was quite interesting. Hmm, it is. Yes. All right. That's that's all I have about animals, though, and animal testing. You sure? Because you know you normally have like some some something deep there in that rummaging bag of yours. All right, let's go uh, on. I'll swing it there. back around to dolphins at some point. <laughs> <laughs> no, no time. Uh, okay, so concepts of time, like I don't know if like scientific concepts of time or like things to do with time in science concepts. So my first one is space time. We mentioned before, mm. uh, which is a space time is a mathematical model that fuses the three dimensions of space and the one dimension of time into a singular four dimensional continuum. Makes sense. Yeah, I got uh, an explain it like you're five ready to go. So, you know, oh, five. Good. Just for, just for you, Tom. Thank you. So, imagine you've got a big bouncing trampoline. Uh, that's like okay. the space and time mixed together in that fourth dimension continuing that we were talking about at the start. When you put something heavy, like a bowling ball on the trampoline, it makes a dip in that fabric. This is dip is a bit like how things with mass, like Earth or the Sun, can bend and warp space-time. Now imagine you have a toy car on the trampoline and you give it a little push. Instead of going in a straight line, it rolls towards the dip the heavy thing made that's because things like to follow the curves in space and time, just like your toy car followed the dip in the trampoline. So when we talk about space time, we're saying that space and time are connected like a big stretchy trampoline. When something with mass is around, it can bend space, uh, can bend or curve space time, making things move in different ways that we, they would if space and time were flat. It's a bit like how trampoline makes your toy car go in a curve because of the dips. Space and time are kind of like a team and they work together to decide how everything moves in the universe. Space time. Space time. Yep. yep. And right. they're connected. So if you are distorting uh, the space due to high mass of an interstellar object, such as black hole, uh, something with high mass, like sun, whatever it is, uh, it means you can't help but also bend time by going close to it. And that's where you get gravitational time dilation, 
which I'll move on to in a second. But why are space and time connected? I hear you ask, Tom. I do. Honestly, it was about to be my next question. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Albert Einstein's theory of relativity covers this a little bit. He, uh, he proposed that space and time are not separate entities, but instead woven together into a single fabric called space-time. And this idea was a major breakthrough in our understanding of the universe, and here's why they're connected. The speed of light in Einstein's theory of special relativity, he showed that the speed of light in a vacuum is always constant, no matter how fast an observer is moving. This means that time is not the same for everybody. If you move very fast relative to someone else, your time will pass more slowly compared to others. This known is, this is known as time dilation. So gravity bends space-time. So in Einstein's theory of general relativity, expanded on this by showing that massive objects, like planets and stars, actually bend or warp space-time around them, this bending of space-time is what we perceive as gravity. So the presence of mass causes space-time to curve, unifying space and time. So both space and time are affected by the speed of light and gravity. It made sense to combine them into one interconnected framework known as space-time. This unified framework provides a more complete and accurate description of how the universe works. So because they were both so similar and were being... Uh, interacted with the same way with the same things it made sense to couple them up into space time that makes sense yes yeah what a smart fella and what a fart smeller yeah he's just absolute genius <laughs> <laughs> love it yeah so that, that's the reason why space and time are connected but yeah so Gravitational time dilation, one of my favorite things in sci-fi that, uh, oh, what's that? Foundations does really well. Haven't seen the new season. It's out. I know it's out. Going to get it to it. It is out. Yeah. Uh, if I haven't watched. seen it either because it's, it's on Apple Yeah, and I don't want to give them money. No. So I'm oh. waiting till I can get a free trial again. <laughs> when that comes back round. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So... Time dilation. So according to the theory of relativity, time dilation is a difference in the elapsed time measured by two observers. And this is, you have to have two observers, otherwise this doesn't work. Either due to a velocity difference relative to each other, or if, if by being differently situated relative, relative to a gravitational field. As a result of the nature of space-time, a clock that is moving relative to an observer will be measured to a tick slower than a clock that is at rest for the observer's own frame of reference. A clock that is under the influence of a stronger gravitational field than the observer's will also be measured to a tick slower than the observer's own clock. This is why if you have a clock that is uh, on the seabed and one that's up the mountain, if they, you know, that's, that's one of the fables, isn't it? It'll be different. Well, they've actually done this experiment. They've actually done this. It happens in um, real life. This is what happens with GPS. It, it, Yes, yes, exactly. G GPS clocks are quicker, aren't they? Are they slower? Um, they're further away from gravity. So they have so to be... So they're slower. Yes. Yes, because the, the closer you get to the intensity of the gravity, the quicker you're going. Slower your perception. Yes, yes exactly. Mm -hmm. um, but what they did was they got two atomic clocks... And they had one in a cave underground, and then they put another one in a high-altitude jet and flew it around for a few hours. And they were like, 
Because atomic clocks are so precise, they should be able to tell that there's a difference between the two, and, and there was. So this isn't just science fiction. This is actually what we expect to happen when we, slash if we, <laughs> ever get the possibility to try it out. Um, yeah. So With high-density objects. The International Space Station goes slower. Uh, the lagging yes. is 0. 0.007 seconds every six months. Oh, just a little bit then. Just a little bit. Not noticeable, but it could it could be problematic with all the math maths they do up there, and especially yes. if they want to land landing windows and all that such. So gravitational time dilation is just time dilation, but they're essentially caused by a uh, very large object mass with mass, a lot of mass object essentially that's causing a bend in space and time. <laughs> yeah, essentially something that's the gravity is being affected by space and time. As you can see in Interstellar, what's what's the what's Great the film, quote? By the way, this maneuver will cost us two years. Oh, something like that. Yeah, yeah. I've not seen it. I was planning on watching it again, actually. Yeah, it's good. It's good. The in the in the the movie, they essentially someone has to stay in the ship, and they go down in a capsule, and they miscalculate or something happens down on the planet. And they're down there for, I think it's, they're, they're down there for like 15 minutes longer. They get back to the ship and the person that stayed on the ship is about 15 years older or 10 years older, but he's like visibly older. Um, and they didn't realize yeah. how much it would cost. And that's like, that's the difference because they're, they're the two perspectives. And I, and I yeah. always thought like, if he had a really powerful scope and was viewing them through the scope. Would he see them moving faster? Because that's all to do with his perspective. Because with Einstein, it was the the flash of lightning in the train. You, yeah. you look like you're staying still with the other person that's you know flying along. So if the person who was recording from further away would they essentially be seeing this person them down there move quickly? And fast forward. Yes, I think they would. Or would they be able to see them at all? Because I think they, they'd be able they, to they see them, to, uh, unless it's moving so quickly. Yeah, because the temporal fra- their resolution, fra- their frame of reference would have to be the same for them to record it. So it would, yeah, we'd have to move that quickly. Oh, so interesting question. Very interesting. But I, I think that they would have the possibility of seeing them. Maybe they'd need to use like a high-speed camera. It's like a slow motion camera. Um, but I think it would be possible. Yeah. Well, the, and that they the, would be sped up. That I'm saying is, if you were outside the planet or that gravitational field, you would then have to spin round to catch them. And like, if you you'd have to have a geostationary orbit, uh, orbit, yes, to be yeah. at that same spot. But that's not too hard to establish. But then you'd be going the same speed. Yes, but it's not about spin, is it? It's about being close to the gravity. So if you were geostationary locked, but you were at the same distance, no, it's, then it's you're the, it's the different. It's the <laughs> the difference in. The two. I see, it's I how see, close they I are see, to the gravitational mean. center of mass. It's not how fast they're spinning on the planet. It's how close they are to the the mass of that planet, which is closer to the black hole than um, he is up in the ship. Yes. And yeah. I need so pond, it, I need if there was, I think if there was st- uh, geostationary, like locked, tidally locked in orbit. Um, he'd be able to see them. Move in fast forwards. 
Yeah. That'd be my, my, my understanding of it. That being said, it is a limited understanding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I will admit. Yeah. Cool. Very interesting. Mm. We shall ponder the orb. Thank you. Is that what we're calling Goo winner? Uh, no. Did you miss that meme? That was a meme for a while. Maybe that was only an imager meme. I don't know. Pondering the orb. Low level memes from imager. Yes. Scraping uh, the bottom. Low level memes. That's fair. <laughs> um, one of the things I looked at was time zones. Okay. Um, because I know this. I'm going to take an example of the UK here because I know that's what happened here. Um, but I know it happened in other places as well. I'm just not sure exactly w- where. So uh, I thought this was a very interesting story. I was actually speaking to one of my friends about this the other day, and they had no idea about this at all. So imagine back in the day, time zones don't exist. We're the early 1800s. Um, how does each town or city know what the time is? Well, most places had a church, tower, town hall, train station, or other big central place that people would pass by regularly, um, or they would pass by when they're entering the town. And this structure had a big clock on it. They would set that clock to the local solar time. Now, the solar time is when the sun is at its peak. You set that to midday, as we kind of imagine midday is um, traditionally. But that meant when you travelled from one town to another, if you're going laterally around the world, uh, everywhere has a slightly different midday, even if that's only separated by five minutes or half an hour. Within the same country, you would have towns that are separated on on their clock times by really odd intervals. 7.3 minutes or whatever it is. So when you arrived in a new place, you'd have to change your pocket watch or watch to the town's local time. Um, And this practice was common, quite common worldwide. But at least in the UK, in the 19th century, the rail network had grown massively and was very important mode of transport for most people and also lots of goods. And we were just moving past the point of, you know, one one train a day goes down the country and you, you get on it or you miss it. So trains needed very precise schedules and the variation of time across all the different towns made it very difficult to make accurate timetables. So as a result, the train companies came up with a uniform system of timekeeping um, and it was required to kind of ensure safe and efficient railway operations. And this came from a Mr. or Sir Sanford Fleming, who was a Canadian railway planner and engineer. And he proposed the division of the world into 24 time zones, each one hour apart. And obviously that has led to the establishment of the time zones as we know them today. In the UK, the standardization of time came with the introduction of Greenwich Mean Time as the national standard time, which was adopted by the railways in 1847 and then was later established as the official time for the entire country. Um, Now, Greenwich Mean Time, if you take all of the towns in the UK and you find the mean solar time, you get Greenwich Mean Time. That's why it's called the the mean, mean time. That, that blew my friend's head the other day. <laughs> head off. And, well, we don't uh, use that, I guess do we? GMT is it's British standard time, isn't it? Uh, we have British summer time when it's uh, UCT plus one. It's when we're in the summer. When we're in the winter, we're in GMT, which is Greenwich mean time. 
I do believe. Uh, we're in quite a unique position where UTC or uh, coordinated universal time uh, is the same as our standard mm. time. Um, so that actually lines up with the prime meridian. Now the prime meridian sorry, is sorry, an imaginary yeah. line. Yeah, go for it. No, I was gonna say. I was, okay. I was gonna say. I absolutely hate it when they do an acronym, but the the name is the different one around. So oh, it's, yeah. So it's no, so no, it's yeah. cut. <laughs> so it's, it's CUT then, not yes, U- it UTC. Is, yes. And I hate yes, when companies do that. It just absolutely boils my blood. <laughs> Um, so the prime meridian is an imaginary line that runs from the North Pole to the South Pole and serves as a reference point for measuring longitude. And you've got 24 of them that go around the world for different time zones, essentially. Wait, no, that's wrong. Sorry. The prime meridian is just for longitude and it's split up into essentially however many things you want. Um, if you were doing it by time zones, you'd move 15 degrees each time. Um, but it's basically just a way to measure your vertical alignment on 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 the earth um so in 1884 at the international meridian conference held in washington dc it was decided that the prime meridian like zero what would be zero degrees would pass through the royal observatory at greenwich which is in london um so the prime meridian at the royal observatory in greenwich became the reference point for greenwich mean time but also uh coordinated universal time or how you'll see that abbreviated is UTC, uh, which is the modern standard for timekeeping. And no matter what time zone you're in, you'll always be referenced to UTC. So Greenwich Mean Time, I think, is UTC. They're the same things, plus zero. BST, British Standard or Summertime, is uh, UTC plus one. Um, And then around the world, you'll have your specific uh, countries or territories time zone, and it'll be UTC plus or minus up to 12. Now, there are some unusual time zones. For example, Kaliningrad Oblast, which is technically a Russian territory, but it's between Poland and Lithuania, um, compared to its neighbours, is very much out of time. It takes a UTC plus three time zone, which it takes from Russia, but I think actually it should be in a plus two time zone. So it's an hour out of sync to everyone around it. And there are several countries which are 30 minutes out of phase of UTC. So India and Sri Lanka are UTC plus five hours and 30 minutes. Nepal is UTC plus five hours, 45 minutes. Um, And some countries, and this absolutely baffles me, I'm going to call China out here, not for the things I should be calling it out for, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to do this. Um, so according, if you reference it to its neighbours, the countries around it go through five geolo- geographical time zones. China is a latitudinally vast country. The c- countries around it go from UTC plus five to UTC plus nine. That's a five hour difference. Yet, in the entirety of China, they only observe China's standard time, which is UTC plus eight. So if you imagine waking up at 7 a.m. and just think about the light outside your house at 7 a.m. and then you minus five five hours from that and think about the light outside of your house. In China, at two extreme ends of the country, people experiencing those differences in light call that the same time. So some people have very light evenings and some people have very light 
mornings, yet they still have to work, let's say, nine till five, uh, irrespective of how dark or light that is mm-hmm. in their current. Uh... So, yeah, very interesting. Uh, I don't know. I guess it works very operationally, but like human standard of living, that would just mess with my head, I think. Yeah. Daylight saving time. Again, they're planning on getting rid of it, aren't they? I thought there were there were debates. There are some debates. Some countries have got rid of this. America! Um, or some states in America. Did they get rid of it? I think, yeah, some I think states. It, was on, it was on the cards at one point. Was that, um, in the UK, it was for the farmers. For the farmers, yeah. Oh, that was the reason why. So when the farmers got to work in the morning, they had, they had some light. Oh, that'd be good. Yeah, but um, that's, that's, that's like by the by now. We don't, we don't need that. You know, we have we have lights. <laughs> we we on, do have lights on cars and stuff. Uh, so some, while some US states and European countries have considered abandoning it, it appears the UK will continue this practice at the minute. Um, I think one of the biggest reasons was it just really interrupts your circadian rhythm. So as Mitch mentioned earlier, this you know light waking you up naturally and your body being like okay, shifting that by an hour, ah, oh, can it can really mess with just the natural rhythm of things and i think the day after turning the clocks forward so when you lose an hour of sleep uh, the suicide rates increase dramatically and i think this was a big point of wanting to not mess with people's cycles uh, at least I, I seem to that remember that being one of the big uh, talking points mm-hmm. which is absolutely fair enough and fully support like <laughs> yep. yeah if you're like us and you've been gaming one of those days and then you're like oh it's fine it's only one o'clock in the morning i'll be i'll be this is fine blah, 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 blah. next thing you know it's three o'clock in the morning you've just ruined your next day because the, the, the clocks have skipped forwards and you've been awake for it yeah i, I generally remember that happening <laughs> and i was like well, how is it 4 a.m yeah <laughs> um so according to the national institute of health Sleep disruptions during the spring transition of daylight saving time caused the suicide rate to rise by 6.25% the next day. So, yeah. Um, Apparently, heart attacks. A Michigan study found a 24% increase in heart attacks on the Monday after the spring switch, compared with a 21% reduction on the Tuesday after the fall time change. People that shocked that the times have changed and then just like killed over. It's wild, isn't it? Yeah, that that one hour is less of sleep. It's uh, kind of incredible how much it changes your uh, people's people's day, really. Yeah, causing their death. All right, literally. Imagine getting to the pearly gates. What killed you? Half time. Yeah, they're like saving time. It got all of us. Government. Uh, bloody hell right before we go down that rabbit hole <laughs> we can uh, end the show there that will bring I, us to a wrap I haven't got my, my weekly catchphrase of telling the want a political party to go fuck themselves <laughs> well there you go you got it in there uh, yeah I didn't say which one but everyone can guess everyone can guess yeah um, so yeah don't forget to share this with anyone <laughs> and everyone if you want more fun Science, you can follow us on our socials, which is at Info Entry Pod on Twitter and TikTok and Information Entry Pod on Instagram. We've got some lovely 
uh, visuals going on up there. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good time. And of course, you could throw us a rating. We do absolutely, massively appreciate that. Yeah, if, you, if so, you're yeah. free, no, just on the weekend, you're on holiday, you're listening to us, just you could just, you know, throw up. Great. Awesome source. And don't forget, if you've got anything that you would like to research but don't really have the time to do it, we'll do it for you. So get in touch. Awesome. Anything else to shout out for you then, mate? No, that's it for me. Wicked stuff. So we'll catch you guys the next week. Peace. In a minute.